Well, I'm excited this morning to preach the word. If you have your Bibles with you, we are going to go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. 25 minutes. Whew. I wanted another hour, but Matthew 13, verse 24. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the fields where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the weed if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, burn them to put the weed into the barn. This morning Jesus tells the story, it's a parable of a farmer who planted good seed, who is our heavenly father, who planted good seed in the earth. And we started a theme called My Garden. We talked about how all of us have a, a beautiful garden, that we get the opportunity to accept God's word, to accept his instruction. And as we're accepting his good seed and instruction, it's like a beautiful garden that starts to grow. And the story this morning, it says that the farmer planted good seed. You know, in life, we all plant seeds. Whether we're a farmer or feel like a farmer or not, tell your neighbor they're a farmer this morning. Tell them they left their hat and straw at home, I guess. But afterwards, we can all go get a hat and straw together, right? Farmer John. Good seed. And, and so in life, as God is constantly planting good seed into us, we also have the opportunity in what we input into our lives. And so the question arises, is God is trying to plant good seed into your heart, mind, and soul. God is trying to download and deposit good things into your life. What do you deposit as a person? In every single relationship, do you deposit only good seeds? In every single conversation that you have with every single person in your life, do you deposit only good seeds? In every single moment of life, are you like God, who's a good farmer, planting only good seeds? Jesus tells the story that while they were sleeping, there was somebody who came and planted weeds. There's a lot that happens while you sleep. There's a lot that happens. Some of us have dreams. I don't know about you, but sometimes I remember my dreams. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I know people who take dreams way too far. And sometimes it's like they have 30 million dreams in one night and the world's coming to an end. And so next day, it's all over, right? There's a lot that happens while you're sleeping. But I want to talk about it a minute about what happens while you're sleeping spiritually. Because many of us could be sleeping spiritually this morning. We're awake, our eyes are open, we're here, we're listening, we're semi-listening. But understanding that you could be sleeping spiritually, and to be sleeping spiritually means that you're not taking in, that you're not breathing in, that you're not moving, you're not going forward. And while the, the people in this story were sleeping is when the enemy came and planted bad seeds into this field. And so when we're sleeping, when we're, when we're spiritually sleeping, that's when the devil comes as well and tries to plant things into our heart, mind, and soul. There's a, there's a guy that I once knew who, he had a dream one night and this man was married 
but he had a dream of a friend that he had in high school. And so he thought that God was telling him that he needed to divorce his current wife and go marry this girl that he had a dream about. It's amazing that while you're sleeping, so many people think that, that everything is God. But just as God is real, so is the devil is real. For me, that's part of my salvation story. I knew in all my life growing up at church that God was real. But for me, when I realized how real the devil was and how he was trying to stop me from moving forward, he was trying to stop me from serving God and worshiping God, it really opened my eyes. And in this story, it illuminates that while we're sleeping, while we're sleeping physically, but while we're also spiritually sleeping, there's so many things that happen. The devil constantly, constantly is trying to attack you. The devil is constantly trying to lie to you. Now, sometimes, you know, we might be thinking, I have a lot of thoughts going on in my head. And it's not that we're crazy, but sometimes those thoughts not, are just not your thoughts. They're also the devil's thoughts. And you need to be very, very mindful about what goes into your head. That's why we need to be mindful about what we watch and what we listen to. When I fully got saved at 19, I burned all my secular music. I, I had long hair at the time, and so I got a, a buzz cut. I took my hair, I took all my secular music, I took everything from my past, and I put it in the fire and I told God, I don't want any part of it anymore. We have to be committed to making sure that we understand that the devil every single day, to understand that he's out there and he's trying to, the Bible says, John 10, 10, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Every single day of your life, what is he trying to do? He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to rob good things from your life. And he's trying to destroy. The workers in the story turn to the farmer and they say, what happened? What happened? You know, a lot of times when life is on cruise control, we ask that same question. Last year, like March 10th, how many of us, life was so good. It was so amazing. And then next thing you know, COVID hit. It's like, oh, what happened? You know, when we're spiritually just on cruise control, that's when things are happening. That's when things are shaking. And in this story here, as they wake, as they wake up and as they see that the, the weeds started growing with the wheat, that's what they're standing around. They're saying, what happened here? Sometimes we can talk about something too much. If you're married and you've ever been in a fight, which I'm sure most of us have, right? Maybe once or twice. But sometimes when you're arguing, sometimes... As, as husband and wife, we can argue about the same thing over and over and over again. And we can just go over it and over and over again. We can constantly say what happened here. But maybe instead of saying what happened here and going over and over and over again, maybe we need to do something to do something about it. How can we get better? They said, what happened here? And so they turned to the farmer and they said, should we pull the weeds out? And this is one of the most part important parts of the story, the farmer whose God says, no, I want you to wait. I don't want you to pull out the weeds just yet. I don't want you to touch the weeds that are in there with the wheat. Now, if you're building and putting together a garden, and at your house, I'm sure that your garden would be a little bit bigger than this, but maybe you like this size right here. But let's say you took the time and you put some sunflowers, you planted some beautiful things in here. How would you feel when you came out and you saw nasty, disgusting, you know, I just have a couple little greenery shrubs here. But if you saw a couple things that are in there and they're growing along with your seeds, you have to kind of have, use your imagination this morning because nothing, nothing's growing. 
But how would you feel if you spent every single morning and afternoon taking care of your garden and investing in your garden? How would you feel if you put so much love, time, and attention into this and all of a sudden from, from out of nowhere start weeds and start growing? And you know what weeds do? They kind of cover the beauty of the good that's in your garden. Right? Weeds sometimes cover the beauty. Sometimes you don't see those beautiful flowers stick out because of those weeds. And in this story, as, as these guys go to the farmer, they say, listen, God, we should pull out. Let's chop out these weeds. And it's kind of like us sometimes as people, when we have a problem with somebody, when there's somebody that we don't like, it's like, God, can you take him out? God, can you take care of that person? All she does is run her mouth. God, can you zap this person with lightning? And God, in this story, he says, no, no, I want you to wait. And it speaks of God having patience for us. How many of us know what patience feels like? How many of us know what it, what it feels like to be impatient? When life and our garden isn't going the way that we want to, how many of us, there's a sense of this impatient feeling rising inside of us that I have to do something. I need to take charge. I need to clean up. I need to cut this. I need to do this. I need to do that. And exactly how these guys are feeling. But God points out, listen, I have patience for every single person on this planet. We need to wait. We need to have patience. It also speaks of God's timing. To learn to trust in his timing. And it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. It's one of the hardest things to wait for God's timing. God only has his best in mind for you. God only has his best, his very, very best in mind for you. But yet sometimes instead of waiting for God's best, what do we do? We settle for something else. God says wait. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Psalms 37, 7 says, be still in the presence of the Lord, wait patiently for him to act. Every single time you get the feeling that you need to move when God doesn't want you to, you need to tell yourself, stop, I need to wait. Stop, I need to trust in this situation. Isaiah 4 to 31 says, those who wait for the Lord, who expect and look for and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God. As eagles mount up to the sun, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. All that we get in waiting for him. All that happens when you trust God with your life. When you trust God with every single thing that you have. And so the farmer turns to his boys and he says... Everything will be settled in the end. Everything will be settled in the end. And at the right time and in the end, that is when I'm going to separate the wheat from the weeds. And that's when I'm going to separate the godly from the ungodly. There is a day that's going to happen that everything stops. This life that we know it is all going to stop. Everything that we see, the sun, the moon, the stars, the ocean, everything will cease and eternity, eternity will be right in front of us. The farmer and God in this story says, in the end, everything will be settled. And so as we take a minute and we pause, we have to ask ourselves, am I ready for eternity? Am I ready for the end? Many Christians last year thought in 2020 that it was absolutely the end. That God was coming back in December 
right before Christmas. But we're still here. But we do feel that the end is closer now than it ever has been. And so it's a very important thing to ask yourself, am I ready for the end? Am I ready to meet God? Am I ready to stand before him and give an answer to God for my life? Am I ready to stand? Am I clean and innocent before God today? As we finish out the theme this morning called My Garden, I appreciate you all coming today. We started this theme and we started talking about our box and how important it is to have a box area. If you're going to plant a garden, something that separates what you want to protect, which is your life. God has given you things to protect. He's given you a heart, mind, and soul. He's given you a shell. And everything that he's given to you, he's asking you to protect what's on the inside. We talked about our dirt and how important it is in planting a garden that it is to put good dirt, not just, you know, rocky dirt, disgusting dirt. We even got some wood chips in here. That if you're planting a garden, if you really care about your garden, you're going to take time to put good soil and good dirt in here. And we've talked about rocks. How many of us in our garden, we have rocks because there's things from our past that we don't want to let go. Things from our past that we're still holding on to. There's past mistakes and regrets that we're still holding on to that, that come up in our garden. And then last week we ended with landing spot and how God's word is desperately trying to find a landing spot inside of you. That God's word has to fight through circumstances. That God's word is fighting through lies, fighting through the devil, fighting through um, finances and, and our desires. That everything that God is trying to get inside of you, that his word is trying to find a landing spot. And so this morning, my title is called Flip Side. But I want to take a minute, as we look at this beautiful box, which was purchased at Home Depot, $99, in case any of you would like one. But today, what I want to propose to you is there's one step. One step. And there's one step. <laughs> one step from here to the other side. There's one step. From a mistake. For some of you, if you make it, you're going to destroy your whole life. And everything that you have inside of you that's good. For some of us this morning, there could be one step from here and eternity. We could drive out of here, get hit by a car, as horrible as it sounds, and die. One step away. What are you one step away from this morning? What one step are you away? As we're looking at this, some of us are thinking, well, John's going to clean that up. I'm not going to help. As some of us are looking at this, some of us are thinking, oh, if he's not going to take it, I'll use the wood. And some of us are thinking, oh, I can fix it. I can put it together. Honestly, a lot of our lives look like this. No matter how clean no matter how dressed up we get, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how long we've known God, some of us still have this going on inside of us. Because we're yet one step away from something that could end everything. Kim and I have had the opportunity in our life to own three houses. And we lost, no, we sold our first one, sold our second one, but we lost our third house. And then we moved into the house that we live in now. 
And Kim and I rented it 10 years from a lovely lady before we had the opportunity to buy it. And so as we purchased our home, you know, you realize and we've been in this home probably 12 years now. There is a big difference when for 10 years you can call your landlord and say, hey, can you buy me a new dishwasher? Dishwasher broke. Can you fix the AC? And it's nice when someone else pays, right? But now in owning our home in the same week, you know, our garbage disposal went out, dishwasher went out, all these little things that kind of go out all at once. And it's like, ah, who's got to pay the bill, right? Now, most of the time we do, but it was nice. My sister actually sent us some money to cover those things. But there is a difference with renting and ownership. And you see, the thing is with this box, some of us were treating our life like it's rental and not like it's ownership. You're treating your life like it's a rental. Somebody else will take care of it. Someone else will fix it. When God's saying, I need you to take ownership. I need you to take ownership of this. You see, ownership started a long time ago. When God looked at the earth and he saw how, how wonderful and amazing, of course, all of us are. But along with the amazingness and awesomeness that we are, he also saw the brokenness. And so what did he do? It says that God sent his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth so that he couldn't just clean up the brokenness, but that he could heal the brokenness and make it whole. Jesus coming, he didn't say, hey, let me go, let me go, uh, let me, I'm going to get a general contractor. I'm going to figure out how to fix this. Jesus didn't come here and say, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to hire out, you know, 12 men. Some are going to be fishermen and we'll throw a doctor in there because you're always going to have one of them in the family. Jesus said, no, I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm going to take ownership of this moment and I'm going to give myself. I'm going to give myself. Because every single heart matters. Every single life matters. And so Jesus took ownership of the brokenness and the broken pieces in our lives. He took ownership and he said, this is mine. I'm going to be committed to this. I'm going to be committed to fixing this. I'm going to be committed to give everything that I have. Because Jesus took ownership of the moment. Romans 5.8 says, God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, he died for us. Jesus did not come here to hang around with perfect, beautiful, handsome people like us this morning. Jesus came here because he wanted to fix this. Jesus came because he wanted to put this together and make it healthy and whole and strong. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. One of the hardest truths in the whole wide world is this one right here. You do not belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. And so this morning as we wrap up, my title is called Flip Side because there's always a flip side to things. I don't know if you enjoy sports, but, you know, football season's coming. And they start the game, they get to flip a coin and see who gets to receive the ball, right? And there's always a winner and loser, right? When you flip a coin, there's always a winner and loser. Someone always gets to pick. 
But God wants you to know this morning that in life there's always a flip side. You get to pick. He given you, he's given us life. He's made you to be a human being. You're not a robot this morning. You get to pick the flip side. You get to pick this or you get to pick his blessing. You get to pick this or you can pick his healing. You get to pick this or you can pick his provision. But just as he took ownership, Jesus took ownership of this for you, he's also asking you to take ownership of the moment as well. He's also asking you to take ownership of this moment right here and now. He's also asking you to take ownership. The flip side, there is a good flip side. We're one step from grace. We're one step from salvation. We're one step to greater blessings. We're one step to that open door that changes everything for good. But in that, he's asking that you take ownership. Stop treating life like a rental. No offense, but sometimes we come to church and sometimes we treat, we treat church, no, we do rent from here, right? We do treat church sometimes like it's a rental. We'll come in, but everything else will be taken care of. That's not how it's meant to be. Church is meant to be an ownership program. It's meant to be we're all in it together. We are stronger and better together to take ownership of this moment. No matter how it looks, no matter if church looks like this, right, Julian? No matter if it, church looks like this right now, I, if I take ownership of this moment, yep, you can have another one. You deserve two. You can take a pink one if you want to. One for daddy. He's a giver, see? He's already a giver. He's giving one for his dad. But listen, we can come and we can say, look, church is a rental. Life is a rental. Let someone else do it. God doesn't want you to step into church and treat it like a rental. He wants you to take ownership of the church you go to. He wants you to take ownership of where you belong to. He wants you to get involved. He wants you to move your hands and your feet and everything that you have and stop treating church like it's a rental. It's ownership. And if something breaks, we don't keep walking by. Ah, the pastor or somebody else can take care of it. Take ownership. And sometimes even our marriages and our homes, we treat our relationships in our house like they're rentals. With problems and mistakes. We'll just let another day go by. We'll just let another moment go by. We'll just let another broken moment go by in life. God wants you to take ownership no matter how your house looks. At times, houses are beautiful. At other times, houses don't look so beautiful. And no matter how your house looks, God's asking you to take ownership of the house that you live in. Not a rental. Where you live, it's your ownership. You take ownership of where you live. You take ownership of your relationships. Every single person that you live with, it's your job and responsibility to take ownership. Ownership of every single thing that God has put into your life. 1 John 3, 16. By this we come to know and progressively to recognize. I'm reading out of the Amplified this morning. By this we come to know, progressively to recognize, to perceive, to understand the essential love that he laid down his own life for us. And here it is. We ought to lay down our lives for those, our brothers and sisters who are in him. God's calling you to take ownership of 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. 2025, and I'll stop right there. 
as God gave his life and took ownership for you, he's asking that you take ownership for somebody else. That you step in in a moment and you take ownership for someone else. We're going to close. Daniel, if you can come back on up. If you can stand with me. You know, sometimes in treating life like a rental, you know what we do. Sometimes when things bother us and things don't go the way that we want. How many of us, we, as a parent, have had kids who have maybe been a little spoiled? Not our kids, but other people's kids. But who sometimes, when they don't get what they want, what do they do? They act out. And I'm a grown man at 44, and I still, when I'm trying to get my wife's attention, believe me, I am still good at acting out. I can pout, I can, I can scream, I can shout, just whatever I can to get my wife's attention. But sometimes what we do is we try to take matters into our own hands. God says, listen, it's not your job to pay back anyone for any evil they've ever done to you. Let me take care of your enemies. Let me take care of the things that are bothering you. Let me take care of it. I got your back. I got this. And the only thing he's asking us to do is to take ownership of the moment and say, God, fine, I surrender and I give myself to you. I give all that I have. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 says this. Each time he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. And so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and persecutions and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And see, sometimes this is where we're missing it. It's because we're trying to do it so much in my strength and in my time. And this is what I got to do. This is what I got. I got to repay here and I got to do this here and I got to do this here. God says, it's my strength that's made real in your weakness. It's when we admit that we're weak. It's when we admit that we're sinning and we're off the wrong road. We're on the wrong path. It's when we have confession and say, I need you. That's when Jesus comes through and he says, I am here. I will be made real and powerful in your situation. Let's pray.